Hi, I'm Pastor Roger Brown. God has gifted me the pleasure to pastor a dynamic, spirit-filled church called Life Changers Church International right here in Pittsburgh, Kansas. I believe God will use this sermon to impact your life and bring His greatness out of you. Man, I hope you get something out of this that will change your life. God bless you. Your time is very important, so I'm going to get right to the message. Have a wonderful day. Isaiah chapter 48, verse number 6. You have heard my predictions and seen them fulfilled, but you refuse to admit it. Now, I will tell you new things, secrets you have not yet heard. Whew. They are brand new, not things from the past. So you cannot say, we knew all the time. Yes, I will tell you of things that you are entirely new. I will, yes, I will tell you of things that are entirely new, things you never heard of before. For I know so well what traitors you are. Uh-oh. He talks us up and then bam. You have been rebels from birth. Ain't that what misfits do? Mine is where I've always been. That's why I don't fit in. You have been rebels from birth. Yet for my own sake and for the honor of my name, I will hold back my anger and not wipe you out. Thank you, Jesus. I like verse number 10. I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. Rather, I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. The King James Version calls it the furnace of affliction. God, have your way in this place. As I begin to uh, go through this, I'm going to kind of lay a foundation here, but we're going to uh, elaborate a little bit more on Simon Peter probably for, you know, a week or two anyway. But as I begin to go through this and, and got to thinking about a lot of different things, and Sometimes we look at the place we're in and we got to realize that, you know, if it wasn't for God, we don't deserve none of it. We don't deserve absolutely none of it. I'm standing before you tonight and I'm preaching. I mean, I, I preach to, uh, to, to hundreds over the Internet and, and I preach to life changers on, on, on uh, Thursdays and on Sundays and preach to a lot of people. And when I look back on my life and I look back and see there's a lot of places this stage, I don't deserve to be on this stage. I don't even fit in according to what everybody else is saying or seeing in my life when they've seen me. I don't fit this place. But God looked down before everything was ever said and done, and he already knew what position I was going to be in. So to everybody else's uh, uh, mentality, I don't even fit it. Matter of fact, to the world's mentality, I don't fit it. But you know what? I'm not of this world. The Bible tells me that I'm from God. The Bible says that, that, uh, that we was created in the image of God. And we was created from God and by God. And here's the thing that, that sometimes that we have to really grab a hold of and we have to understand this concept. I don't want to really lose you, but I want to slow down here just for a minute. Because, because there's a difference from being created and made. See, and, and God created us. The Bible says that before the foundations of the earth was ever created, that God was, that, that Jesus Christ was already slain. 
And so, and so when I was created, I don't know, and I don't want to go into a whole lot of uh, this and that, and people think, man, that dude's off of his a rocker, and he's weird and crazy. Well, like they say that anyway, but anyway, so I don't know when I was created. I don't know if I was created in the heart of God, in the mind of God, before everything else was done, but I know that I was created just like Christ even before the foundations of the earth was, was made. So I know that I was created then, but there's, there comes a point and a time when I was made. And you have to understand this. Even in the spirit that you are in right now, before you was saved, amen, before you were saved, yes, there was a creation part, and then you were made. And, 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 so, and so I was made in the image of God, but I was created long before that. And God had already uh, seen, uh, and God has already known. That's why the apostle Paul says uh, that, uh, that I was predestined uh, by God, uh, because he already created me, uh, and then he foresaw my future and he predestined me. Let me do, do not get lost here because just because you've been predestined by God doesn't mean you got a golden ticket to get into heaven because, because the thing about it is is when he began to create he already knew. He knew every step. June the 13th, 1972, he knew that Roger Brown was going to be born and not only was Roger Brown going to be born, but he knew there was going to be some complications and he knew there was is going to be some things to have everybody else to wonder, is Roger ever going to make it? I was in the hospital for three months, had pneumonia 12 times by the time I was three years old. And some said they didn't ever know if I'd ever come out of it. But I remember my mom telling me a story that when I was born, she wasn't even saved, but she had an aunt that was saved. And they come to the hospital and the doctor said his esophagus tube and his windpipers grow together and he can't swallow anything so we're going to put a tube in his stomach and he's going to be in a hospital for a little while and we don't know if we can even stretch the esophagus tube down and, and so right now would be a good time for prayers my mama was 18 years old she's lost her in Cooter Brown hadn't been in church raised as a gypsy underneath the, uh, uh, bridges and just out anywhere they could find And but, but she had an aunt that went to a Pentecostal church that happened to be there and that aunt spoke up and said can you tell me what you're going to do and the doctor said I could tell you a lot of things but let me draw you a diagram he literally took a napkin from the hospital in Oklahoma City and he drew a little diagram and said this is what we're going to do she snatched it up and said thank you and there was a revival service that night and she showed up to that service and while that preacher was preaching at the end of it he said does anybody need any prayers and she said she said, I have a napkin. I got a little nephew in the hospital, and I know that there's a destiny in his life. God's created him for goodness. Will you pray over this napkin? And that preacher took that oil. He anointed that napkin, and these are the words I believe that he might have said. I wasn't there, but I got the microphone, so I'm preaching this one. But I believe that he said, Lord, you created him. I don't know what his destiny is, but you don't make no junk, and the devil is a lie, and he come into this world, and he's breathing, and there's life on him, and it's precious, and God, I ask you to preserve his life. Ah. 
And all of my life, there was something stirring and something going. I couldn't understand it. Every time I'd get off with some of my cousins, hey man, you know them cousins. Them cousins get you in trouble all the time. I'd get off with some of my friends. I'd be in some different places. And there'd be some stuff going on. And I mean, there'd just be a, a constant battle. I didn't know what it was. I didn't understand it. But when I realized what it really was, was God had already called me. He'd already spoke to me. He'd already spoken into existence. I need to tell some of you right here, right now, that you might have been in the furnace of affliction, but God already knew the rebel you was, but he called you out of it. And thank God you didn't die in a car wreck. Thank God that your mama didn't want to abort you when she had the chance to. Come on, sir. I don't know who I'm talking to. Maybe you shouldn't even be here. Maybe your mama already planned the abortion, but God stuck in the way and he spoke into your life and now you're in the furnace of affliction and you're trying to find out my God where do I go from here can I tell you that God wants all the misfits the ones the world don't know what to do with God says I know what to do yeah. Woo. can I preach a little bit Can you, can you imagine, because I can go back into my childhood and I can, I can see all the places that really, the things that really stuck with me. I remember, I remember like it was yesterday. I know it's been a long time ago, but at six years old, in Lane Pentecostal Church of God in Lane, Oklahoma, home of Lane Frost, praise God, underneath that pew, Pentecostal Church of God. Underneath that pew, while all the grown-ups and the adults, I, I'll never forget it. They was up there praying. And underneath that pew, I remember seeking God. And all of a sudden, I, I, I don't know how to explain it. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm crying quietly. Praise God. And something began to move all over my life. And I remember looking up, and all I seen was a piece of wood in front of me. And at that moment in my mind, I thought, dear God, where did I go? And I heard all the commotion. I rode out and I felt something going on, going on inside of me. At six years old, listen to me. At six years old, the Holy Ghost, boom, it come into my life and I began to speak in tongues. Every adult that was in that place, they stopped and they turned. And I remember they turned and looked at me. I couldn't shut it off. I couldn't get it to quit. It just started flowing like a geyser coming up. And I'm sitting there looking at them and speaking, my dad, shout out, Boko. Ah, a six-year-old boy as I'm sitting there speaking in tongues and cannot stop it. And to this day, preacher, why? Because God created me. He predestined me and all the mishaps in my life and all the drug houses and all the drugs going in my body and all the lies and all the cheating and the misfit appropriation. God called me out of it all and said, you are mine. Praise God. I stood in a little old church that my daddy started. I stood at the age of 12 years old while a preacher come by one day and he stopped and he looked at me and he said, he said, young man, how old are you? I stand in the prayer line. I told him I'm 12 years old. He said, that's a good age. 
I said, oh, it is. He said, yeah, Jesus preached at 12. I thought, boy, he knows how to build a 12-year-old up. I mean, I stood in that line. I was saying, oh, yeah, yeah. And he said, let me tell you what God's going to do. He said, God, listen to me. At 12 years old, I'll never forget this. He said, God's going to take you to the nations. I'm saying, I ain't never been out of Oklahoma. He said, he's going to take you to the nations. And he said, there's a word depositing in you. When I look back at all of these things adding up, I realize what God is doing in my life. I realize and see, even though there were some wrong decisions, even though there was a bad crowd in my life, even though there were some things that didn't go right, even though some places in my life I wish I could walk away from and had never been, but I understand the furnace of affliction. And I understand where God is taking my life. I'm preaching to somebody. You don't know where you fit in. And it might be a misfit in your life. But God's calling every rebel, every misfit, every person that would give their life to him and give up and walk with him. He's calling them. Can you imagine Peter, Simon, at this time, each gospel just tells a little different story. Matthew tells the story the first time that when Jesus come up, that they was cleaning their nets. They had fished all night. They'd done everything that they know how to do, and they had fished all night. You know, I don't know that much about fishing other than I did one time catch an eight-pound bass, and I mounted that dude too. I was with Bruce Jameson. Anybody know who Bruce Jameson is? I was with Bruce Jameson one night. He took me out somewhere. You had to pay somewhere to get some stuff. And I think Randy Jones. I, I, I don't even know why he said that name in church. But anyway, we, we, I'm just kidding, Randy. <coughs> we, we went out one time because I was uh, at a uh, priesthood revival on Fifth Street. Y'all remember Pastor Gaddy's church on Fifth Street? Uh, Lighthouse Tabernacle, I think. Many, many, many years ago was priesthood revival up there. And so, and, and so when revival's over with, Bruce Jameson said, hey, you want to go fishing? And I said, dude, it's 10 o'clock. He said, yeah, that's the best fishing. I said, really? He goes, oh, yeah, that's the best time to go. I said, well, why not? So I said, hey, honey, can I go fishing? She said, I don't care what you do. I'm going to bed. <laughs> so I get in the vehicle with him. We go out, and I'll never forget. We're sitting out there, and I'm fishing, and I'm fishing, and I ain't catching nothing. I mean, Bruce Jameson is slaying them. I mean, he's coming in. Hey, preacher, you got anything? And I said, man, don't just shut up. And I'm fishing, and I'm fishing. I ain't catching nothing. All of a sudden, Bruce has got this pole, and he says, hey. I said, what? He said, hey, reel this in. I said, okay. So I started reeling in, and it started getting heavy. And I thought, man, am I caught on a tire or wood? And he said, I would. I said, yeah, a piece of log or a tire. And he said, no. He said, that's a fish. I said, that ain't no fish. All of a sudden, right there by my boat, I mean, I seen this big old white belly. And it flowed up, and I said, it's Moby Dick. I got Moby Dick on this line. My God, Bruce laughed so hard. He rest down, he pulled that fish up, and I mean, it just kept coming up out of the water. He said, look what you caught, preacher. I said, you caught him. He said, you reeled him in. I said, I caught him. I caught him, yeah. I caught him, praise God. 
So he got over Bruce and said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm keeping that dude. That's the biggest one I ever caught. He said, how about I measure him, and then I'll just make you one. I said, how can you measure one and make one? He said, I'll show you what I can do. And so he measured it, and he went back and got a mold, and he said, he said, your fish is about eight pounds. He said, we can call it nine pounds if you want. I said, call it a nine-pounder. There was nobody there but me. That's a fish story right there, y'all. I don't know a whole lot about fishing. But I did catch a big one one time. <laughs> but I do know that my dad used to teach me that the only time he would ever clean his nets is when fishing season was over with. Because cleaning the net is very tedious. Because when you clean those nets that you sing tadpoles and all that stuff with, I mean, you hang it up, but when you're done, at the end of the season, you make sure you get all the dirt and all the grime and everything off of it so you can fold it up and put it up and so it don't dry rot. I do know that. So when I hear this story that Jesus is coming across the disciples and they are cleaning their nets, they're done. And not only are they done, but they ain't caught nothing all night. And not only have they caught, not caught nothing all night, but it was going to be devastating to them because this was the last time they was going to be able to put up and go home and take care of their families. And they're out there and they got nothing. And all of a sudden, Matthew tells a story that Jesus comes walking by. And not only is Peter already in this mind frame, they ain't caught nothing. Jesus has the audacity to say, can I borrow your boat? It's like asking a Harley rider, can I ride your Harley around the block? No, you can't. You can ride Thomas's Honda. <laughs> that was cold. Edit that out. <laughs> can I borrow your boat? Peter's sitting in a position, his mind, he don't even know what is about to take place. One moment, he's got the worst day in his life. In a second moment, somebody walks into his life that is going to change his life. And not only is he fishing for fish, this rascal named Jesus, he's got the audacity to tell him, I'll make you fishers of men. He don't even know what that is. He can't even catch a fish. He's probably thinking his mind, if you understand the night I have, you wouldn't even tell me anything about me. You would walk off and leave me. And every one of us can come to that conclusion that when Jesus showed up in our lives, we was either ready to get rid of it, we was either ready to quit our job, we was either ready to get a divorce, we was either ready to close our business down. Come on, somebody. We was either ready to walk away when Jesus showed up. Ain't you so glad that he shows up when he shows up? Because when he shows up, he knows when to show up. He knows right at that time. And Peter, he is that person that Jesus showed up in. Praise God. And he's standing there. And then John tells us that he looks at him and he says, Simon, son of John. One version says, son of Jonas, or son of Jonah. But one version says, son of John. And he calls him. Not only does he tell him who he is, he tells him who his daddy is. Come on, somebody. That is deep stuff right there. I ain't got time to go into that. Not only does he say the person that he is, but he identifies where he came from. And then he says in the same sentence, but I am going to change your 
name. I'm going to call you Cephas. I'm not talking about both Cephas. They don't Hank Williams Jr. off in here. He said, I'm going to call you Cephas. And you are going to be called Peter the Rock. Because later on, Jesus would say, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. I'm going to lose my voice in this one now, but I'm going to preach it till it's gone. Talking about one of the biggest misfits in that whole bunch. All of the prime candidates that are setting up in the temple that are opening up doors that are waiting to become the next rabbi, to be waiting to get on the Sanhedrin. They're getting ready to show up and get in. Even the Apostle Paul was one of those. He went to the school of Gamaliel in the Bible. The Bible declares and the only way you can even go to the school of Gamaliel is if your daddy sits on the Sanhedrin. That's the only reason. You don't get into this kind of school. It's like Yale. It's like Oxford. You don't just walk up and say, I got a 4.0 GPA. They want to know who's your daddy, who's your mama, what they do, what significance they got. And the only way you could get into the school of Gamaliel was if your daddy was on the Sanhedrin. And the other only reason you could get in is if you had a trade. And the apostle Paul was a tent maker. I'm about to blow some of y'all's mind. Are y'all ready? And the third reason you can only get in is if you was married and had children. Now, I know when we look at the apostle Paul, we say, well, he wasn't married or he didn't have children. But the Bible doesn't dive off into other than he took Timothy as his own son. I don't even want to go into a lot of that. But praise God, I want you to know that as he looks at this man, he identifies with him and his daddy, and then he goes into his future. The biggest misfit. I mean, he's sitting there thinking, man, I had the worst day of my life, but at the same time, becomes the greatest day. This man, Jesus, shows up into my life, and he declares who I am. See, I think sometimes we really forget what we're really capable of. And that's why we like to point at everybody else what they're doing. But we forget what we're capable of doing. Because, because we forget or we don't forget, we like to ignore what goes on in our mind that nobody else gets to hear come out of our mouth. Ooh, I just got deep. Because there's a lot of stuff that we're thinking. And we think just because we didn't do it. <laughs> well, I didn't do it. Well, the Bible says that if a man look on a woman... Uh-oh, let me go up here. When a man look up on a woman and desire to have her in his mind, that he's already committed adultery. Thank you for that one clap. I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican. If the Bible says it, I'm going to say it, praise God. I ain't afraid of it. I'm just going to tell it like it is. And the point about it is, is we got to understand that when the Bible declares it and says it, that it's so powerful that we can look upon a woman and lust to have her and already committed it. Then how do you think that feels while we're sitting in the pew and we think about the sin? My goodness, I just went plumb over all y'all. No wonder, no wonder sometimes we 
haven't completely been free. No wonder sometimes we haven't completely got it out. No wonder sometimes we keep relapsing. I'm not talking about drug relapse, but a lot of times we relapse into the sin that we come to the altar and I'm about to get Pentecostal wholeness now. And we've been begging God to deliver us out of and we get out of it, but we relapse back into it because we ain't cleared our mind. We ain't got it out of our mind. And God says we got to have a pure heart. And the only way to have a pure heart is to renew my mind on a daily basis. Ooh, that's my Pentecostal rant. You can't walk up in here with your bad self on Sundays and Thursdays and think, well, Shabbaha, yabba dabba do. I prayed in tongues. See my tie. Praise God. Tie my tie. See my tie. Key to my Honda. Something else. However that goes. Praise God. And you can't come in here and think you got everything worked out and until you still you walk out and you're still daydreaming or thinking about it. I just got on somebody's last nerve and I like it. Praise God. Because the thing about it is, is we got to get it out and we got to crucify it. The Bible says to mortify the deeds of the flesh. That word mortify means murder on purpose and we got to murder the deeds of the flesh and kill it until kill it and have a bone graveyard honey if you gotta have a funeral for your flesh every day then call the funeral home of Jesus Christ and have it every day bottle me up for three days with my Bible I'll tell you what I'll do listen Andrew or Simon he is one of the ones that would literally take care of the rest of the 12 disciples he's the one that Jesus would lay the burden on he's the one that at the, at the end of Jesus' life after he resurrected the first thing that come into his mind was I gotta find Peter Where's Peter at? I got to find him. Well, while the rest of them said, well, he denied you three times. Jesus said, yeah, he's a misfit like that. I know he don't fit in y'all's program, but he fits in mine. I know he don't fit in what y'all think's a good Christian, but he fits in mine. Some people look at your life and they think, well, that's pretty bad Christian of you. Well, praise God that I'm God's and not yours. I'm glad, praise God, that when I'm in the furnace, I know somebody who's controlling the thermostat, honey, and that's God himself. He knows how hot it needs to be, and he knows when I need to come out. And the Bible says he's going he's gonna to refine us, but not as silver, but in the furnace of affliction. And the times we've been in there, God said, I'm burning stuff off of you that you didn't even know that was on there. I'm taking it out of your life, and I'm making sure that my life is in you. (laughs) Peter did not fit a description to be a follower of the Son of God. He did not fit that description. When all of the priests talked about it, when Moses wrote it in law, when Isaiah began to talk about it, 
I mean, this was the son of God that was coming. Everybody was talking about one day he's going to come. One day he's going to show up. And the day that he showed up, he caused a bunch of ragtag boys to be his disciples. It completely, if there was a misfit, it would be Jesus himself. He didn't even fit the Jews' description. How can this be the son of God? He's talking to sinners. He's talking to harlots. He's healing the leper. You can't go near a leper. You got to stay away from him. He, 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 he's healing people of diseases that, 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 that he's, not, he, he's not called to do. He's hanging out in places and towns and on sides of towns and across the track and in all of these places. He's hanging out and he shouldn't be there. Growing up in Atoka, Oklahoma, Southeastern Oklahoma, Atoka. Got its name because of a Choctaw Indian chief named Atoka. Formed itself and God. There in Atoka, Oklahoma, a bunch of poor people. Besides me, I had a silver spoon in my mouth, but y'all know who that is. Bunch of poor people. They was maybe growing up, when I was growing up, there's maybe four or five prominent families in the town that we knew that we had money. And they was either their, their, daddy, their daddies or mamas were either doctors or lawyers or bankers. Every now and then there's a few entrepreneurs. And not long ago, probably I would say uh, in 2000, probably 2002 or 2003, so I don't know how many years ago that is, somewhere 10, 13, I don't know, maybe 20, I don't know. 18, there you go, good job. All of a sudden, they started drilling in Atoka for, for natural gas, in Atoka and Cole County. And before you know it, there was people that had bought property. And it was in their name for like, I'm talking like years. And they come to them and said, we're going to drill on this land. And they thought, yeah, but they didn't own the mineral rights. Going somewhere, hang on. And there was people that didn't even realize or understand that they was getting phone calls and now they're living in Alaska. They're living in Montana. They're living in Florida. They're living in all these places and say, hey, hey, you are an heir to this. And I need to tell you that you are now going to get this check because you own the mineral rights. And people from all over started moving back to Atoka. Because now all of a sudden there's a handful of people that had money. Now before you know it, I mean, there's big homes, there's big businesses, and I mean, it's booming. And things, and motels are going up in the toe. And I'm driving through and thinking, why are they building these motels? Ain't nobody wants to live in this ghost town place and building motels and building things. All because, all because there was something that was happening underneath the ground of the people that lived in the town that didn't even know. Can I tell you right now? now that there is a secret to what God is doing into your life and you cannot let the world tell you what it is but God said I'm going to burn it out of you and I'm going to bring you through it. He said I'm going to tell you things that you didn't even know and when I tell you these things he's going to say that nobody knew them because from the foundations was they born in you and only I knew them. You couldn't say the idols knew them. You couldn't say my family knew them. You couldn't say that was in this. He said, I'm going to tell you things that nobody knows. 
You tell somebody in here, God is doing some stuff in life changers. And he's doing some stuff in your lives. And there are things that ain't even been revealed yet. Before you clap too hard, hang on. God said the only way they're going to come out is through the furnace of affliction. I had to sit down and say that because, listen, let me explain what I'm saying to you. You that are in this building, you are present, you hear me right now. There are some things and devastating stuff the Holy Ghost is talking right now. That may be approaching your life, but God's going to tell you it's not here to destroy you. It is here to make you. Somebody hear me. Do not get fearful. Hear me, this is a blessing that the anointing God would show up right now and speak this into your life. It's not here to destroy you, but it's here to restore you. It's here to make out of you what God has already called. Because the only way you're ever going to find a diamond is to dig in the dirt. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I don't care what they tell you, you was created by God. Adam was created. Listen, listen. The, the word uh, Adamite means mud man. And that's where he got his name. Because God dug in the mud in the red dirt and formed him. He made him. But he already created him before he made my God. I, 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 I need to tell somebody. You, you belong to a wonderful God. A fearful God who made the heavens and the earth. And he knows your life ins and outs. And when you have problems, you shouldn't be fearful but you ought to thank God and my God and you ought to thank him because he knows where your life is going Malachi talks about the silversmith <coughs> Pastor Anna come behind please <coughs> Malachi talks about the silversmith The refiner's fire. See, Malachi ain't just about Malachi 3 paying your tithe. If you really read Malachi, it's got some good stuff in there. He was a minor prophet, but he's talking about some good stuff. And he said that we would, God would put us through a refiner's fire. See, a refiner would make things. A silversmith's job was to make things. Years ago, I didn't understand and know, but years ago, I was watching the Discovery Channel, and they was interviewing the silversmith. And the, and the interviewer said, so this is how you make the silver? He said, yes, sir. He said, so you just put it in the fire, and then it comes out, and it's all liquidy and all silver, and you just mold it? He said, well, something like that. He said, so... You just put it in the fire until it just turns all liquidy and then you move it out? And he said, no. He said, I, I can't. He said, each piece that I put in there has a certain degree that it can withstand. He said, if I leave it in there too long, it destroys itself. He said, if I take it out too soon, then it's not good for use. He said, well, what's a good way to put it? He said, when I pull it out and I see my reflection. I know it's done. And in your furnace, I'm telling you right now, when God sees himself in you, 
See, there's time when you come to church, but you are still in the way. I know you look good praising God, and I know you look good singing the songs and dancing around, and I know you felt the goosey bumps when tears rolled down your face, but can I tell you it is not until God sees himself that he says that you are ready, and I need to tell somebody who's under the sound of my voice tonight that God is looking for the misfits because there's a place in heaven just for you. I, won't, I ain't got time to go into this, but when it says Jesus is the chief cornerstone, there's a place in heaven when it's all done that Jesus is going to fit into. They say that when they used to build the cornerstones in the old days, as they began to build, there was always one piece that they wouldn't put in there, and everybody walking by was thinking, why, ain't you, why is there a big hole there? And they would put all the stones except for the very last piece. It wasn't until the very last piece that they would mold it precisely. Precisely. Because every post would be different. This one might be a six. I'm just, I'm just throwing off some numbers. It might be a six a foot deep and a 12 foot inch a piece of rock. This one might be a four foot deep and a three foot inch walk rock. But as they begin to build each post for each corner, it would be different. And the very last piece, they would not put in until the very last. And that was the one they molded. Everything else they pulled out of the ground, put together, put concrete on. I don't know nothing about concrete. But put concrete on it and made it around. But one spot, they had to, they had to precisely measure and take a chisel and chisel out rock to make it fit. And so when Jesus Christ, my God, help me, when Jesus Christ says he's the chief cornerstone, that God said, after I created the world and I made the world, I made sure I left out one piece, only one piece that could fit in that place and Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone of your life that when everything else fell apart God said let me put him there I'm so excited about this I'm more excited about this series than I have in any series that I've preached in the last three years. And I'm not saying that to get more people to come here, but I'm telling you right now, God has instilled a word in me. He's woke me up in the middle of the night. He's put me on my knees in the middle of the day. I drove down the road speaking in tongues. There was a stirring, and I didn't know it was there until Tuesday night. And God said, this is it. This is it. And I need to tell somebody right now, you feel completely out of place, and you don't understand it. And you don't know where you fit in, and everybody else says that you're not that person. But God said, don't let nobody else define you, because the world calls you the son of so-and-so. But he said, I'm going to call you the rock. I'm going to speak out into your destiny, and I'm going to call you right now. And right now, you're not going to understand it. But when you come out of the fire of the furnace, you will understand everything that I ever said to you in the secret places, in the deep places, in the dark places, in the lonely places. Every word I ever spoke to you, you're going to understand it. Some of you sitting in this room, doctors would say that some of you are probably clinically insane. 
some of the stuff you've been through, some of the pressure that's been in your life. Some of you are fighting to get some place of your life back and already the devil is telling you who you are and you're already thinking you don't deserve it. I don't know who I'm talking to, but you think you don't deserve your kids. You don't think you deserve this marriage. You don't think you deserve this job. I'm telling you, you're looking around and you're thinking, I just don't fit in. And you're right. You're a misfit. But get in the right cornerstone, honey, and let God appropriate you and put you in the right place because his life in you matters more than anything. I got a lot more on Peter. I, I, I got I to gotta talk about it a little bit later, but listen. Not to blow what's going to happen, but let's just, <laughs> let's just fast forward all the way to the day of the crucifixion. I'm just going to put a little bit of this in here, but I'm coming to a close. The Bible says that Peter cursed and denied Christ three times. In our western United States, Kansas thinking, we're thinking of four-letter words that Peter said because he cursed. But when you go back into Jewish history, that, that is not the case. When he cursed him, he denied his birthright. Saying, I don't deserve it. This ain't me. I don't want it. I want no part of it. He didn't do it once, but he did it three times. Once is good enough to get you exiled from the Jewish community. Nonetheless, three times. Now, the same Jesus that told him what his name was, he left out the part. There's going to come a day while you're with me that you're going to lose your identity three times. See, there's a lot of things when Jesus saved your soul that he left out. He left out the pain. He left out losing losing that baby. He left out losing that brother or that sister before his time. He left out the going through the divorce. He left out of going and losing your mind and being now hooked on pain pills and pills. This running, my God, this running your life. He left out some parts, but he never left out that he wouldn't always ever be with you. And if it wasn't for Jesus, you wouldn't be here today, honey. And you better thank God that he never walked out of your life. My God, stand to your feet and give him a crazy praise. While you're on your feet, just bow your heads.
working in here. Come on, Pastor. this building tonight. You say, preacher, you were talking into my life. I don't care if you were saved last night or 29 years ago. You say, preacher, I believe that there is a place for me in that cornerstone. I believe that God has designed a place he's chiseled out just in my life. Preacher, I've been to hell and back. I've lost more things than I've ever accumulated. It's come through my hands, but it's slipped out of my hands. Preacher, I feel like that my life is void and I'm in a position where I don't have anything. Preacher, when I look around in my life, I realize I am the misfit. There's things that I could never understand. But preacher, I stand here today under the sound of your voice. And I tell you, I am that one person you're preaching your guts out tonight to. Maybe there's one of you Maybe there's two of you, maybe watching me right now by that computer or that phone. Maybe there's many of you, even right there where you're at. You can still reach this anointing that is flowing out of this room. But on the count of three, don't let nobody talk you out of it. 
Don't let nobody tell you it ain't you. You felt the tingles go through you. The anointing has grabbed a hold of you. Your gut has turned two or three times. You realize this is me. I'm capable of this. Hey, thank you for choosing Life Changers Church to listen to. Our services are Sunday morning at 1030. We also have King's Kids Church available as well on Sunday morning. We offer a midweek lift service on Thursday nights at 7. And to all of our visitors who are in driving distance, come and worship with us here at Life Changers Church. The Life Changers worship team is amazing. And the full impact of worship cannot be explained on experience. Hey, check out our YouTube channel and our podcast on iTunes. We're also on Spotify as well. You can find all of these under Life Changers Church International, Pittsburgh, Kansas. This full title and name will lead you straight to all of our programs. Hey, check out our Facebook page for all of our events and our outreach that we do in the community each and every month. God bless you again, and have a wonderful and blessed day in Jesus.